The water in the fountain was sparkling in the sun. As I gathered with a family at the cemetery to help them bury their loved one. We followed the funeral director up the winding road to the gravesite they had chosen, but I spotted it still far off. Not because I could see the hole, but because I spied the sheet of bright green astroturf pulled taut, weighted down neatly on each corner. Coming closer, I saw that the hole was covered by a plank wrapped in deep green velvet. And there, next to the hidden hole on a green velvet pedestal, stood a block of cement. It had been spray-painted gold, and I was told that it contained the ashes we would be burying that day. As a priest, I tend to be an inconvenience for the funeral business. It didn't seem to matter that I'd explain to them how we would be doing this burial ahead of time on the phone. The funeral director was very sure that I was mistaken, that this family could not possibly want to see the dirt, much less actually do the burying themselves. I understand the stance of the funeral business all the gussying up and the sanitizing, and I trust that there are good intentions behind this work, a desire to protect and shelter. And it's everywhere. We, as a society, work so hard to hide death away. And then a tomb is dropped into our midst. What do we do with it? How do we show up to suffering? Here at the end of the story, there are some people who push through the swirling grief and anger and fear to be present. Joseph of Arimathea puts his reputation on the line to pull strings and get the body down from the cross. As one of the leaders, I imagine Joseph carrying such regret that he could not convince his peers to save this innocent man. But he does not let the guilt sink him. He shows up to receive Jesus, to lay him in the tomb. And there are more. These women who are there watching, already gathering spices and ointments for his body to bury him properly. 
And there are others at the cross, standing there on the periphery, his acquaintances, some followers maybe, some friends, watching wordlessly this blur of grief and witness. And Simon, Simon of Cyrene, who we know nothing about, really. He's there from the country, and he carries this awful cross. He takes some of the burden for Jesus for a little while. I long to envision myself as one of them, as Joseph or the women as those silently standing near the cross, or Simon. But if I'm honest, I fall short. It happens in a thousand ways, some big, some small as paper cuts, those tiny dodges of what is true, what is brave slicing away at love. Staying silent, turning the other way and letting the empire take over, passing the buck to the system, to the way things have always been done. Or worse, I find myself outside with the crowd, swept up in the fear and fervor, yelling, crucify, crucify him. There is a good chance that like Peter, I quail. Someone asks me point blank. I falter. I do not know the man. I run, afraid, trying to save myself. And deep down, I can become Judas, selling God out for cheap and fleeting gains. This way of fear is deep within us. How then do we remain with him, with each other, all the way to the tomb, past the astroturf and the velvet, showing up to suffering? How? There's something back on that last night, back before the disciples really understand what's going on, but when Jesus already knows, he knows full well that this radical love he is preaching and leading and living is going to get him killed. And he knows his friends won't get it right. He knows that one will betray him, another deny him, that they will fall asleep and they will run. And so, before all that, he pulls them close. 
and he teaches them the way forward and the way back home. It is painfully simple. This bread, this wine, blessed and broken and poured out. It is him, he says. His body. It is for them. This is the way for them to live together. Years ago, I received a note from a close friend of mine. In it, she thanked me for being a companion of hers on the way. But she broke it down, specifying that she didn't mean companion like just a friend or someone who shares company, but a companion, a bread sharer. For breaking bread had formed the foundation of our friendship over meals and at this, the meal. Coming together in need and being fed, recognizing that hunger and offering what we had. Quite a while later, this friend and I, we came into a hard spot together. I was hurt and disappointed and mad, wondering what the way forward might be. I wasn't sure. I had been smarting for quite some time when I remembered that at the root of it all, we were companions, bread sharers, that if we were going to go to the tomb together to bear witness to the pain and whatever might come next. We had to break bread together first. We had to come back to the table. How about lunch? I asked. Part of me hesitated, but I trusted that breaking bread was where we could start. And just in uttering the invitation, I felt myself cracking open. When we come to this table together, it is, it is a bizarre and tender thing that we do. Take it too literally and it becomes pretty disturbing and quickly. But strip it down to just a symbol or a simple reminder and we lose the mystery that transforms us. I don't know how it works but Jesus seemed to know that this breaking bread, this sharing and receiving what is broken and yet 
somehow still so good that it would help us to walk all the way to the tomb together. He knew that living with the tomb and with the bread, both, that this would make us whole. We have to brave the tomb if we are going to fully live this fearless love of his. And it is in the paradox of this little bit of grain broken and dead that this bread gives us strength, helps us to be a little more whole for another day. The table and the tomb, they belong together. We come to the table for strength to accompany each other to the tomb all the way there, past the astroturf and the velvet, past the people cajoling us to hire them for the hard work. We come all the way to the tomb to bear witness to the pain that is. Looking into the depths gaping before us. This is where we spend this week. But we don't stay here. We always make our way back to the table again and again to repair the breach, to be fed, to offer what we have. Welcome to Holy Week, friends. Come to break bread. Come to the tomb. Come as companions on the way. <laughs>